Hey, welcome to the Protectors Podcast. I'm excited to have Kevin Sullivan on tonight, a fellow podcaster, a fellow vet, and uh, he's got a lot going on, man, a lot, and he understands the podcast world. How's it going, Kevin? It's going great. When you say, when you say a lot, that's that's a vast understatement. It's kind of how we do it as veterans, right? <laughs> if, <laughs> if our mind isn't 1,000% occupied, then something's wrong, right? <laughs> I tell you, man, it's like, I don't know what it is, but you have to have like seven different things going on, like at least daily. Dude, I, I kick back on my couch on a Saturday for five minutes and I'm like, what's wrong? I need to do something. And I'm like walking around my house looking for things to do. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a common thing. It's a common thing with veterans. Um, it's just kind of why you hear, you hear the, the Vietnam era guys uh, a lot of them now, I, I work in medicine and from, from my real job, and a lot of them now are retired, their kids are, are out of the house, and uh, they find themselves revisiting stuff that they buried from years and years of just, like I said, thousand percent all the time, right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's an important thing to address. Uh, it's important thing to address. You got, you got to ask yourself, why? Why am I doing this? Why am I my going uh, so fast and, and trying to fit in so much in such a minute period of time. I, uh, I just started doing that. I, I really just started calming down a little bit, you know, before I was like writing, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And, and I felt a, like a weird guilt if I sat and watched TV. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I have really bad guilt because I haven't played video games in years and I just started playing call of duty and I'm like, am I supposed to be playing video games right now? I'm like a 40 something year old guy. And uh, I feel like this really weird guilt of just taking a few minutes to chill. Just, just, yeah, it, it's, I think it is our, the nature of our business that we used to be. And a lot of us used to be in some are still in where uh, you realize the, the fragility of, of life and that, uh, you know, when, when, when you've almost been snuffed out a few times, you say, ah, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to put it on hold uh, today. I'm going to try to get it done. Now, now, is that healthy? Probably not. <laughs> uh, I would say it's not. Um, currently, uh, I, I don't know your background with this, but uh, as a result of the podcast uh, through Reverend Warriors, um, revisiting a lot of stuff that I, I buried for years of being busy, I find myself in therapy. And, oh yeah, absolutely. And, oh, is that a nightmare? And, and don't and you know, as and now that we're talking about that, it's like it's a a weird secret to podcasting. It's like I'm in therapy sessions every time we talk. I get something out of it because you know, post nine eleven and with the with the LEO world, you know, I I'm, I'll be the first to say it. I went to counseling here and there, um, and I always got something out of it. And now when I'm podcasting, every conversation, I get something out of it, whether it's me venting or it's hearing someone else's stories. Yeah. Yeah. It's the relating, I think, that 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 affects me, you know, uh, things that over the I've been out for, I guess, 12 years and 
the things that I do secretly in my, my mind that my wife and kids and coworkers aren't aware of to hear that other guys are doing that. And mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, this is normal. This is, yes. this is a normal thing to experience. And these feelings are normal. And that, that's, that's, that's hard to swallow, especially, you know, I mean, we come from a culture of, of bury it, you know, press on, suck that stuff up and press on. And it's, yes. uh, yeah, it can get you. And the other thing too, that I found, you know, running a podcast is, is the stuff that you, like we talked about that you buried and it, it comes out and it makes you think of it when you're not prepared to think of it. So yeah. I'll be driving home and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a, an interview with uh, Jason tonight. We'll probably talk about this, probably talk about that. Oh, and then you start going down that, that rabbit hole. And then next thing you know, you're in a full-blown panic attack, sweat pouring. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, how did this happen? That, yeah, that, that's from personal experience. <laughs> no, it's the truth. Because there are some times where I'll, like, I'll overbook a podcast. So I'll have two in one night. And then after the first one, I'm just so exhausted, like mentally. And it were and it's a very and, and listen to the conversation. We're just having a conversation, mm-hmm. but I, I just get exhausted and I'm like, man, I don't I want to put my whole effort into podcasting and, and having this good chat with someone and learning about them. We have an audience listen in, but man, I just it's just exhausting, like mentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I want that good conversation. Yeah. And it's important. Um, you know, we grow up with our, our elders. We think about the stoic and quiet veteran mm-hmm. and, and it, maybe it works, you know, maybe it worked for certain generations, but with our generation, everybody's story is available, you know, through YouTube and yes. social media. And you see this, you're bombarded with all these stories and it's, it's important to, I think, I think it's, it's a two part thing. It's important to to relay your story and to tell your story. And, and you don't have to feel guilty about that because it's cathartic for yourself, but it's also cathartic for the veterans that, that aren't telling their stories, that are isolating, that are, are wondering, you know, every day, did I make the right choice 15 years ago in Ramadi? Did I make the right yeah. choice uh, in Mosul or, or Karbala or wherever, right? It's, it's, it's this, penance we pay as veterans and in and, and any, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I assume, I'm, I was never in law enforcement, but I assume the same sort of thing where we, we revisit stuff. No. And you know, sometimes it hits me because I was an IRR guy and I got called up out of the blue and uh, deployed for a year and a half. Yeah. You know, the first stop was uh, Camp Shelby, Mississippi in 2005, just in time for Hurricane Katrina. And then after that, I went over to Kuwait for a couple months and then boom, post uh, pushed up north to Iraq. But it seems like yesterday sometimes, especially when I talk to vets and it just, it's weird. Yeah. You revisit it and you're like, huh, it was something I didn't expect because my original army time was in the nineties. I was just an enlisted dude. And later on when I commissioned, you know, you get that lifelong commitment mm-hmm. and, yep. you know, going from pre nine 11 to post nine 11, it just, it's different because I remember like the vets that were in my, um, we had a lot of desert storm vets. You could rare, rarely run into any Vietnam era guys still in service in the nineties. But uh, yeah, it was like this silent, nobody ever really talked about anything. Yeah. And now you're just bombarded with social media and everything else, which I like. And I think it's great to, to have that outlet, but man. 
I think we need to because we only have such a small, I, I want to say the number that's being thrown around is 0.45 to 0.5% of the population uh, served after 9-11. And it's like, do you want to be a forgotten generation? Do you want to be no. uh, a group of people whose story is not told? It's important. And people have to, you know how many people, you know, the first several weeks after 9-11, they, they, we were together. That whole, that whole sentiment of, I would, I would hate to have another 9-11, but I would love to have another 9-12, right? Everyone yes. was in it together. Mm -hmm. And then the year, you know, the years went by. You know, one year, two years, five years, 10 years, 15, 19. There's people that haven't thought about Iraq and Afghanistan in probably 10 years. Maybe they saw it on the news. They don't think about it. Mm -hmm. But I know lots of brothers and sisters that every single day, it's it's part of who they are. You know, yeah, they think absolutely. So, yeah, we, we need to we need to share because it, it, I think it helps the public understand us and, and our quirks. And well, you know, the thing is, and you, you talk about the quirks is I actually subscribe to vet TV because, you you know, you're a big part of that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I just just this past week, I'm like, because I, I, I get I do a lot of YouTube, like uh, watch YouTube more than anything. Now, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, I need something different, man. So I started watching the previews of the vet TV and I'm like, I'm like, I got to subscribe to this just because I want some a different outlet because I miss the days of just busting balls, man. Yeah. And yeah. and the way you talk, it's the same, you know, we have the same thing in law enforcement, but it's different now because it just, you have to watch everything you say and you, you can't really, I'm not like that. <laughs> I'm not part of the E4 mafia. I was like, <laughs> you know, back in the nineties and later on as a captain, it's like, you kind of lose out on, on that, that banter. And I love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Donnie is the, per, uh, for, for the listeners, Donnie O'Malley is—he uh, was a former Marine Corps officer. Um, he is the prototypical the guy who says it when everyone's thinking it, and and I think that's what that's what Vet TV is. You know, it's it's everything that we would love to say again as veterans, even as active duty guys. But it, I don't I don't know if you've, in your experiences if you've ever busted a joke on something that every civilian in the room oh absolutely yeah and you, you look around you're like oh i'm the psychopath here <laughs> oh and that, absolutely and that leads to that for you know the, the former thing i talked about uh, isolation you know when you don't feel yeah. at home around people uh yeah you, you isolate so so he put together basically a netflix for veterans and and civilians i suppose could watch it I don't know if they would understand. I don't it. think they would understand it, yeah. but they don't need to. And like, there are enough veterans, I believe, to support it. And I'll be glad to post links to it and everything else because I'm a big fan now. And yeah. you know, one thing I've I've learned about the community is like, it seemed like around um, 2000 when when social media first started going nuts, you started getting a lot of the disgruntled veterans out there. Mm -hmm. And that's that you get the rants and the rants and the rants. And then, hey, you know what? I you owe me this. Yep. But it seems like the past few years, past couple of years, maybe there's a lot more of camaraderie. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more of there's enough to go around because, like you said, there's only a, like a very minuscule percentage of actual post 9-11 veterans mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, what I was going to say is, is we're also you're getting a lot of guys who are retired um who have there's this weird 12-year itch where um most people i talk to who, who did more than one enlistment or stayed in for it's always around that we'll call it like eight to 
12 years. And most of those guys are out now and they're civilians and they're looking mm-hmm. around. And I say, guys, I mean, girl, I mean, you know, everyone. Yeah. Um, they're looking around, they're saying, where, where, where's my people? Um, back to, to Donnie's prototypical guy there. He, so him and his buddy, and I'm going to butcher the story because I'm not a, I've just, I've only heard it in passing, but he and his buddy were sitting on a beach, I guess, over in California. And the idea came to go on a hike together with nothing but veterans and embrace the uniqueness of each veteran and kind of allow us to take off our armor uh, that we wear every day in the civilian world and, and kind of just go out on a hike on a silky's hike. And I, I, again, I don't remember what year that was or whatever, but that was the, that spawned irreverent warriors his his nonprofit. So the idea of irreverent warriors is all across the country, uh, you can actually look on irreverentwarriors.com, all across the country, um, almost once every week. I mean, they're, they're increasing in numbers uh, every time I look. A group of, of veterans get together. We wear our silkies. We carry uh, 22 kilos, not, not required, um, 22 kilos of kit uh, to represent, obviously, the 22 uh, brothers and sisters that take their lives each year for 22 uh, kilometers. And the, I can't begin to tell you the, the I, I've already used the word catharsis, I don't wanna use it again, but the catharsis, <laughs> the, the lifting of your spirit, the healing that happens on one of those, those hikes, it's, it, Jason, I, I, it's unbelievable. And it just, when you go home and you go back into your real world, it's almost like Fight Club. Remember, I don't know if you ever, mm saw the movie where they kind of (laughs) (laughs) where they run into each other at the the cafe and they kind of give each other a wink because they know they're both part of fight club but no one else knows that's kind of how you feel when you leave (laughs) i uh i'm sold on it because you know i've been following uh, you know i just started looking at the silky's heights and i'm silky's hikes and i'm like they just had one here in dc and i'm like man i should have went to that oh yeah i was at that one it was fantastic yeah, it's, I'm definitely going to the next one. And the other thing too is is going back to what you were talking about, veterans that like to complain and go on rants. That's fine, all right. Make your complaints, go on your rants, but come up with an answer, right? Irreverent warriors is one answer. It's saying, okay, if if veteran mental health is the biggest issue right now, and isolation is causing suicide, and then what's your answer to it? And this is just one of those, and it's out, <laughs> it's way outside the box. Um, but it's, it's, it's also something that our generation is, is embracing, you know, the, and, and I don't want to, and it sounds like when I say this, that, that I might be talking bad about other organizations. I'm not, but our, our generation isn't into, you know, hanging out, uh, at a hall somewhere and, and, you know, spending your nights that way. Our generation is, is more about getting out and experiencing and, and uh, yeah, it works. It works really well. Well, I, you know, and that's a, I kind of, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I LEOs right now and, and the Thin Blue Line and everything like that, they're, they're having a real crisis and a lot of suicides. Like every every day you hear about it, uh, an LEO killing themselves. And I, I have a show on um, Law Enforcement Today where it's called uh, You're Killing Me. It's coming out in the next month. Mm-hmm. And it's a video-based show. We talk about stress and suicide and all that. And I say, and, and the solutions that's what we talk about solutions how can we solve 
even if it's just solving it for one person. And a lot of that comes down to grassroots, i.e. this generation and our generations like to text. We like to talk. We like to have someone we can reach out to. Mm -hmm. And I don't really feel comfortable calling a 1-800 number because I don't know who's on the other line. So that's a lot of like in like with the Silkies hikes, you're meeting a lot of different people and you're 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 getting that bond that you're missing. Because, you know, in law enforcement world, a lot of guys and girls kill themselves like a year or two after they get out or, or, or when they're getting close to getting out because they know they're going to lose that bond. Yeah. And, you know, man, that's that's where it's at. That, that, the, the isolation with with law enforcement has to be even more because and I just assume this because the public perception of, of law enforcement now, you know, you come home you go to work and you don't feel appreciated and you come home and who else is in law enforcement? I mean, I know one cop in my neighborhood. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's gotta be an issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm fortunate because my wife's in the FBI. So she kind of knows like the, the BS, the bullshit that's going on out there. But, but what if you don't have someone to reach out to? And that's like the veteran community right now. Mm-hmm. And even the mill spouses and everything is like, nobody, Unless you have these events, these big things, you have some way to to find an anchor, so you're not just kind of floating out there. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense? Yeah, yeah. If you think that it can't happen to you, right? If you think, well, I'm not going to be in a situation where I need to reach out. I mean, you got, dude. I was I was Air Force. I was a uh, C-130 navigator, and we were. You know, and, and this is kind of how we justify things. We were trained to fly into the world's most dangerous airfields or mm-hmm. strips that some JTAC or CCT crew created in the middle of the desert under fire, um, deal with engine fires, deal with thunderstorms, sandstorms that we were, that's what we were, that's what we were trained to do. So when you do it, you feel like this is completely normal, right? Oh, a rocket mm-hmm. got shot at, at our aircraft. Oh, an SA-7. Okay, whatever. That's just how we, how you deal with it. If you don't think that in 10 or 15 years or 20, heck, 40 years from now, whatever your job was, if you're going to be driving down the road, suddenly that memory comes back. I found myself, uh, I was kind of half jokingly saying at the beginning, I found myself on the side of the road in a, you know, in sweat. I had no idea where to go. I, I couldn't go to work because I knew no one there would understand what was going on. I couldn't go home because I have two young kids and a wife and, and she doesn't know what's going on. I looked at my phone. I didn't know who to call. I ended up uh, texting with one of those veteran crisis lines to find out, you know, what, what do I do? And you're right. I, I didn't call it because I didn't want to talk to some stranger. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't in danger of hurting myself, but I honestly, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. Luckily uh, I had some friends though. Um, I had a, a good friend that's, that's a Marine and I called him up and, Kind of well, you know, you bring up a good point. It's because it hits you out of the blue. And I I always call it like the 24 to 48 hours of this weird, dark cloud that comes over me. It feels like there's a sponge in my head and I just get really just like just beat up down. Mm. And and it's like if I don't text someone, if I don't call anybody, if I don't have anybody to reach out to, it gets really, really intense. And that's the thing. It's like that's why I called the grassroots always have someone where you could reach out to like in those times, like, you know, like you at the side of the road. Um, 
And that's kind of the things we need to have out there. It's almost, and you know, the whole buddy system thing is really cool. I love it, but it's just got to be a, you have to make sure it's someone you can rely on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I guess I can answer the question myself, but I was going to say it's, it's surprising to me that, that folks, you know, don't have something set up, you know, where, where they can go for help or whatever. But, but then again, I didn't, right. (laughs) I, I didn't. I didn't identify that this could be an issue. I mean, uh, I started having panic attacks, gosh, 15 years ago. Uh, I had one while I was flying. (laughs) And I'm like, where did this come from? Well, there's some debate over, because I I don't remember anything, um, but I was on the bottom of uh, the flight deck on a C-130. It was about an eight-foot drop, maybe six-foot drop from the flight deck down to the the cargo compartment. and at the time, they, they think maybe I had, uh, during an invasive maneuver, I kind of went flying. Navigators stand up during the flight. I went flying mm-hmm. and maybe hit my head on the uh, wall and, and fell down. But I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I forgot what, what we were getting at there. Uh, the whole idea that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I knew this stuff was possible. I knew that, that you know, dealing with post-traumatic stress or that, that, that buildup of stress can lead to to shitty situations. Again, though, I mean, I, I, I think it goes back to our culture. You know, I can handle it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this stoic warrior who handles everything. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it, we have, we have outlets now and I, that's what I like about this whole community we got going on about, and that's what I love about podcasting. That's what I love about, you know, social media is now, uh, you know, I'm talking to you, you're talking to me. I'm talking to like 50 to other different people that are like really cool that it just builds a good network of of like-minded individuals jason uh sorry i just it just cut off for a quick second but uh i start i heard a little bit of that last thing you said okay yeah and that's the thing i love about podcasts and now we got cut off there for a second but uh the thing i love about podcasting is that we have this network now we have different people different different outlets whether it be social media or through the voice it's really cool man Oh, it's, it's so cool. I mean, if you're not excited about the fact that you can take a piece of plastic just slightly bigger than your wallet, not even in some cases, and communicate across the entire world in an inter- interview-based or, or whatever, you know, whatever your, your yeah. shtick is, I mean, it's, it's incredible. 20 years ago, not even 10 years ago, we didn't have this outlet. No. And, and, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to the next phase, which is going to be video. For me, yeah. which is a big thing. But. Yeah, yeah. I get a lot of people that say, you know, I've been thinking about starting a podcast, but there's too many out there. And there's, it's like, no, stop. No. First off, the beauty of podcasting is let's say, let's say you start and for your first year, you get 25 downloads an episode. Picture, what was the last time you were in a room where you had a conversation with 25 people that are actively engaged in listening to you? Those are 25 people that otherwise mm-hmm. wouldn't have this conversation. And, and it's, and that's where you have to start. And then you can't, the other thing too, is it's, uh, I, I've run other podcasts before this. It's so easy to kind of get yourself wrapped up in, you know, all the minutia and then you end up kind of losing interest. It's, it's, it's a very easy area to, to fall flat on your face. But if you persevere, if you push through it, you make mistakes and laugh at them and yeah, of course. and work through it, man. It, and again, and it doesn't matter how many people listen. Uh you're you're going to reach people and it's such a it's such a cool um technology. 
Well, the other thing cool is cool is uh, you get a lot of content too. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, just, if you're going to do a podcast, do it. Cause you know, I bet you Rogan and, and uh, Jocko and everybody else with the big podcast didn't start out with, you know, Joe's on like some like 13, 1400 episodes now. Yeah. Yeah. Who listened to his first few ones? You know, I mean, he had a fan base, but. Oh yeah. He was, uh, yeah. he used to bring a microphone into the green room. Um, I think at the comedy cellar and they would just basically film each other hanging out prior to going on stage. And that's where it all began. And yeah, you never know where it's going to go, where it's going to, and, and again, you have to, you have to look at it in, what are your motivations? If you want to be the next, I will just use Joe. If you want to be the next Joe Rogan, I mean, you're going to be up for a lot of disappointments. Mm-hmm. Your, your motivations have to be pure. Um, can you, can you make a career out of it? Maybe. I mean, that's a possibility. Um, but your motivations have to be, what, what I mean by pure is you want to spread a message. Uh, the message is, is spreadable, right? You want to reach people and you want to, put in the time without seeing a lot come back at first. Uh, I ran another podcast for, for five years and it took me, I want to say four till I reached 10,000 downloads, uh, an episode. And that was shocking to me that I could actually reach <laughs> that many people. Uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. I love the podcasting, man. And I'm looking forward to, you know, listening to yours, following your journey I hate saying that word journey, following your, your path. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm glad we linked up, man. Now, is there anything, you know, and that's why I, I, I try to keep mine 25, 35 minutes. And I, I always tell the audience that too, is like, you know, you're, you're driving in, you're taking a Metro or everything. It's good for a quick listen to a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, man, is uh, irreverent warriors, silky's hikes, vet TV. Yep. And um, the tw- 21 gun podcast. That's uh yes, that's, that's what we're going to say right there. Yeah. 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 I, um, I started the pod, I quit my other podcast and um, it, this would be a whole other episode. So I'll just give you the quick thing. I was like, I need to get involved with veterans. So I, I went up to Burbiz, give them a little plug and yeah, um, that's where we met there, right? Yeah. We met at, yeah. at, at the second iteration for me of Burbis, the first one, I, I was like, I got to do something for veterans. Went up to my room. Everyone, uh, everyone went out <laughs> drinking, right? Donnie was there. Everyone went out drinking with him. I went upstairs. I'm like, I'm breaking into the podcast world with my new veteran podcast. And I'm going to be, I, I, and uh, the Reverend Warriors and Vet TV guys would, would think I'm a psychopath, but I'm like, I'm going to be their podcast. They don't know it yet, but I'm going to work my ass off oh, this awesome. and I'm, I'm going to pitch it to them. And sure as shit, uh, Three months later, I have the chance to pitch it to uh, Cindy McNally, the CEO of Reverend Warriors, and now I'm their podcast. So it's kind of <laughs> awesome. kind of a cool thing, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I love it, man. I, I, you know, that Burbis things. I, I'm giving give them a plug too because they invited me out there for that, and I was really excited. And I'm looking forward to collaborating with them in the future too because we just see good events for people to get together and just chat, chill. And mm-hmm. just network, man. Network, network, network. Yeah, yeah. It's a little mafia, a little underground mafia. This it is networking man. thing. <laughs> I like that Fight Club analogy. I'm gonna yeah think about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, brother, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I uh, I like to talk, as you can tell. <laughs> well, well, welcome to the world of podcasting, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> thanks a lot, brother. All right.